Hi, Justice fans. Today we're talking about Obama going big on his way out and cities paying up big. Well, and that and more. Join us on Justice is Served. You are tuned into Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is Served. I'm getting thrown off by the music. That's what I'm blaming for my flub. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know how the song that. screams justice to you all, but... Oh, there we go. It's That's a, a good song. It sings ready for the holidays. Exactly. It's Christmas yeah. time. We're here. Yeah. How is this not upbeat? Yeah. This is great. I love how Shaggy tried to say, doesn't this song remind you of clemency? Yeah. Like, uh, no, that wasn't the first thing that I thought of. when I. But I, I love that you all love the song. Yeah. I just, it's just... It's the best Christmas song. Yeah, it is. I feel a little ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. You can't you can't help but to move when it comes on. Except for maybe Chelsea at Seas. She's the really only awkward. one not not, not jamming to the beat. I was still mortified by that opening, but let's move on, shall we? <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us here on Justice Is Served, where we bring you the latest in legal news with my co-hosts, Dominique Price, Yummy Abayami, and Shaka Smith. Oh. This is our last show of 2016, womp womp, but we're ready to come back big in 2017, which will hopefully be a better legal year and political year and just year overall. (laughs) (laughs) Is anybody like holding on to 2016? Like this was a good one for them. Burn it down. I'm holding on to 2016. Obama was president in 2016, so I'm still holding on to it. I don't know what 2017 is going to bring. So yeah, that's true. But that's a good that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I'm going to be positive. 2016 was good in some ways. Yes. Okay. Well, speaking of your buddy Obama, yeah, he is trying to go out big. He is. Implementing a couple of laws, using different strategies to try and leave a legacy. Among them, he has issued the largest clemency, or is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. Like the largest number? Yeah. Issued the largest number of clemencies uh, any president has ever done in Mm -hmm. one day. Yeah, I want to say he's already, the total number is already more than the last four presidents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. And this week he. Uh, commuted the sentences of 231 people. Yeah, on Monday, yeah. And so we've talked about, like, should he be doing a blanket, you know, release, which apparently there's not even you a free yeah, blanket release. Yeah. So is this number 231 people impressive to you? Uh, it's, it's not impressive <laughs> to me. There's so many people in jail right. that I don't necessarily feel relative. both yeah, should be there. Well, no, but re- relative to the number of clemencies that other presidents have done, uh, yeah, yes, sure. it is impressive yeah. given kind of the out like the number of people in prison that maybe should not still be there or yeah. who if if sentenced under today's laws wouldn't be there. Right. I mean there's a lot of work to do and Obama yeah. can't possibly get to them all, but I like the fact that he's trying to make an effort. Yeah, and they're looking at them individually, which I like. They're, I like that they're not doing anything blanket. I like well, that I guess they're, they can't cuz yeah. I sort of was rooting for some sort of blanket like God forbid we'd be really effective, efficient, and productive. Okay. So most of these were similar to the ones that he has commuted before. They were for nonviolent drug offenders. Some of them had life sentences Mm -hmm. for... Drugs, uh, drug crimes that, if committed today and sentenced today, would be much less. Yeah, and the administration said that there was a strong element of rehabilitation in all these cases. Mm-hmm. So, all right, uh, I'm I'm gonna hang on to hope 
that he's going to do another big batch before his final. Oh, no, I think yeah. he'll do a few no, more he, big batches. Yeah, yeah he, he's apparently he's trying to get through all of the all of the applications that came in. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it'll bode well for you know people that got their information. In I mean, just on time. ambidextrous, just start <laughs> signing. But yeah, right. He actually, I think reads them all. Yeah. I mean, can he do it from Hawaii? I mean, come on, time is a ticking here. <laughs> but I, I was more concerned about, I guess, the, the DACA people, the the dreamers, those mm-hmm. that you know went in for this program so they could work and like essentially outed themselves as people not living here legally. Right. And I know there's been some um, question if, if they can be pardoned. They but it, can't yeah. because they yeah, haven't been really charged with anything yet. Yeah. They haven't been convicted of anything yet, so there's nothing to pardon them from. So They're I'm wondering, in a holding pattern. Yeah, I'm wondering. I'm hoping the next administration Apparently would there's... not go, let's look at the rules and you know, oh, you right. know start a purge. But, that's you know, a question mark. And, yeah. and if you're a dreamer, that's something that you're validly scared about because, you know, you have I mean, no other ties. Unless... I mean, they could do something crazy. They could convict them all of something and then pardon them. Well, but I don't. It still wouldn't change the legal status. That's a, the, the problem is, the, you know. It's, Yemi, I love Yemi's eyebrows. The eyebrows of disdain. She's like, yeah. that is that shit crazy woman. Yeah. Like, you know, just yeah. let the imagination like, yeah, that going. Too for me. Yeah. So the problem is whether or not these people are going to be up for deportation to well, countries they've never been to, like countries when, they don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. When Trump comes into office, who knows like where this might be? It would be on hugely unpopular. I mean, he could get Congress. rid of the entire program. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully, I mean, getting into the program is one thing, but then ha- going after people that self-identified is another. So yeah. we'll see what happens. So let's get back to more good Obama news. Yeah. He has made it safe to Yelp yeah. all over again because apparently at some point it wasn't safe, which because I, um, I as opinionated as I am, I have never gone online on like a Yelp or a TripAdvisor <laughs> or any of those yeah. to leave my comments, but I sure do read other people's. I think, yeah. I think it must be a certain, I, I never, I've never left comments either, but I think it has to be like a certain personality or a certain, <laughs> a certain person who's just committed to providing what? information to others. Bless them. Uh, I, yes, exactly. Cause it's critical. I read their reviews right. and I look at them uh, and I use them to assess whether I want to use this person's services. I don't Yelp cause I get my justice in the moment. Like I'm going to, we're going to resolve this while we're here. I'm not going to go home and then get on Yelp and no, everything's going to be handled. <laughs> so I'll be satisfied when I leave the establishment. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to get some pointers on that. So apparently people uh, or companies were putting in these like anti-disparagement clauses into contracts like hotels or anything that you sign something in order to use their product or service. And so then when these people would leave a bad Yelp review, the companies would go after them, yeah. and people didn't know that they had signed away their rights to say what was on their mind. I, I've never read. I'm, I've used hotel services. I've used a, a whole bunch of services. I've never seen a clause saying "don't despair." Well, but that's, <laughs> that's the thing. Is it, it's they're, teeny they're tiny in the fine print, yeah. Yeah. right? And it's not clear. And so I was actually really surprised to read about this because I was like, me I had too. no clue that there was even an issue there. Yeah. Right. I did not really. When I first saw this story, that President Obama signs a law, you know, so. Apparently, this yeah. one was discussed in Congress and yeah, signs a law about Yelp. Would it, I didn't and, understand what it meant, but when I read about it, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. And it's yes. crazy to me how public this wasn't because it's such a huge thing that affects so many people because a lot of people are out there yelping, and I'm surprised it didn't get any public well, traction. In, interestingly enough, it actually had. So this was something that started to kind of pop up about four or five years ago, and you heard a little bit of a chatter, just like yeah. anything. It had a news cycle, and then you just didn't hear anything, anything else yeah. about it for a while. Um, so when I read it in today's notes, I was like, 
Finally, like you, there's, it's very, very rare that you actually get to close the loop on a lot of these news stories. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated, even though it was five years ago, that I was able to like, oh, okay, they finally actually yeah, did something about I, that. I'd heard something about it, but I thought it had been long resolved. I thought no, it was something that right. was like not an issue. Yeah. So now, so this isn't good for businesses. You think they're going to just take this laying down or they're going to come up with some other way to try and curtail these kinds of comments? Well, I mean, hopefully that way is to provide better service and response times I mean, to customers. Hope, yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be the responsible thing yeah. to do. And right. I think a lot of businesses have done that with Yelp, mm-hmm. where they try to respond and try yes. to say, come back in for this or that. So I think it just, I think it'll fuel that. So I think it'll be good for businesses and consumer relations. And at the end of the day, it's still, I mean, it, your review still has to be truthful. So you can't just yes. go on there yeah. and give a bad review and say, oh, well, I'm protected by this law. Yeah. You. It's you a, must make sure that it's accurate and that it's true, and then yes, you are it's protected. A very important yeah. caveat but, requirement. Yeah, there. considering one of the one Texas firm tried to go after a couple for a million dollars, that's crazy. And then these other um, other clauses had ten thousand dollar fines. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really, you know, contemplate that when you're going to go check into a hotel. That's crazy. So. Yeah, and it wasn't just right. hotels. Yeah, it's all kinds. It, yeah. Of places, yeah. Alrighty. Oh, and then the other last piece of good news. There's not much in the sort of like legal. Um, talk about this, but the fact that uh, President Obama has protected a huge part of the Arctic mm-hmm. and yeah. the Atlantic from drilling. Yeah, he used to like the obscure 1953 yeah. clause yeah. that allowed him to do that. Um, I, I know there's been, I heard th- there was some talk that that kind of stuff had been overturned before by, mm-hmm. you know, one president. I missed that. Yeah, so. That's a bummer. But I do know that the Democrats in Congress are already mounting the courtroom challenge mm-hmm. should they try, the new organization try to. Um, Mm. overturn that so I thought it was interesting though as I was reading up on the last few things that Obama's trying to do before he leaves office um, CNN's ticker for this story was Obama's last ditch efforts before he leaves and I was so fired up because I felt like this was such a positive story yeah I hated how they tried to like put a negative spin on it when I was like all these things are like so cool like why must we feel like no. you know he hasn't done anything the last you know, 300 days, and you want to throw that little kick in the butt as he's on his way out. I mean, I think this is great stuff. I mean, I just wish it was bigger and more, but I, you know, I guess he can only do so much when Congress won't do jack shit. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Yes, I will tell you how I really feel. Christmas edition. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and next, cities couple cities, including here in L.A., are paying up big for police shootings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I say big because we're talking about millions of dollars, yeah. but I still don't know if you believe that this is what justice looks like. That when you get shot and killed, that you get... I mean, here we're looking at a range between L.A. and Chicago of like one to three million dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, outside of, obviously, the conviction of the shooter, the police officer... I, I think this is as close to justice as you can get as some sort of monetary value. I always think it's really interesting that in a lot of these cases, the cities will pay out, but the officers don't actually end up serving any type of time. Yeah. So yes. it, to me, it's kind of like a conundrum, like, oh, you're saying that the city is at fault, but no. the officer's not. Yeah. yeah. And I, I haven't been able well, to, like, reconcile that. Are, are they saying, though, that they're... Because a lot of these are settlements, so they're not really saying that we're at fault. We're just yeah. saying we want to make this go away. Some yeah. of them, let's, though, let's think about when we settle. It's usually because we know if we take this to court, there's a huge chance that we well, may lose. There's yeah. a chance that you... Yeah. May, but, right, so they're just trying to control the cost. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of like the with, the with no admission of guilt, I'm going to give you some money. Right. Yeah. Some of these had right. gone I, to mediation and some of these, yeah. like there was huge solid cases. writing on the wall that there was yeah. going to be a payout and so the city council just went ahead and approved something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And it's it's good, I guess, for the family members because if they do go through trial, they're going to be waiting forever to maybe get a payout and might have to expend their own money to to go to trial. So, yeah. you know. And I think, uh, to Dominic's point, what was interesting in one of the L.A. settlements, in one of those cases... Um, the chief said this officer mm-hmm. should be prosecuted, mm-hmm. which is yeah. the first time I believe I've any ever heard that. Yeah, I think that was, was officer, that Brendan Glenn? I think so. I think it was yeah. the guy that was in Venice, yeah, yeah 2015. Mm-hmm. So, and, and he got what the largest payout, which mm-hmm. would be $4 million. Yeah, so I, I, one of the other stories was um, a story where nothing had happened for years. Like yeah. that maybe this was, I can't remember. Was that uh, Reginald? can't remember which which one i mean it's so i wish i could remember by name but i cannot but there was the the one where the tape was under seal for like three years and then when it was final finally released then the city council was like okay that was i think that was tedrick chapman in um chicago yeah Yeah. it was a chicago one so it was interesting to me that the city council does nothing when there's no tape Mm -hmm. released to the public as soon as it's released yeah they're like, okay, well, now we got to pay And out. they wanted to block the release, but it was only after yeah. the Laquan McDonald tape came out. They said, you know what, let's just kind of ease off, and they released the tape. And so he's getting $3 million yeah. for the family. Yeah. So I, 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 don't, I don't know. This, is this a good or bad precedent to set that only upon the release of the video will any sort of justice be served? Because otherwise, they'll just sit on it as long as possible. No payout, no prosecution, nada. Well, I mean, I, I think in some, I think one or two of the cases there was no, the, the video wasn't released, but they still paid out because they know it's on the video. They knew. So yeah. yeah, so the video may not get released, but they'll probably still pay out. You know. Speaking of video, one of the city council members here in LA is quoted as saying, "You know, this is this is really not good. And, and for years we didn't have problems with police shootings, and now we've gone down a bad road, and mm. and now we're arguing over." over whether police shootings are justified. We've just we've gone down a bad road. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, have we really changed the way that we're uh, the, the relationships between police and civilians or are we just now seeing the truth captured on these videos? Yeah, it certainly feels like we're just now seeing the truth captured on these videos. Yeah, I think what's been going on has been going on for decades, but it's just that, you know, it was always one, he said, she said, one person's word versus the other. And now yeah. you have irrefutable documentation and video evidence, Some a lot, of, sometimes at the very least, contradicting these police mm-hmm. reports. But yeah. I, I can see that point, though, because we didn't hear about these shootings before. So, and we didn't have Twitter and we didn't have this mass media and, you know, people's... But I, a, I, I think that comment really, like, misses the boat. Like, no, dude, yeah. this has been going on yeah. all the time when you thought everything was fine. Yeah. It's just that we now have indisputable evidence showing us that things are not what you want them to be. And it's, yeah. easy, and it's easy to second guess, you know, someone who lives maybe in a, in a crime-ridden community or maybe someone who has a previous record. When you have that person saying, no, you know, the cops... Uh, abused me or they used too much force, it's easy to kind of downplay the sincerity of those claims based on those external circumstances, where they lived, what their criminal history is. Um, but video does, e- even with that, video doesn't allow you to to contradict what this person says. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it just gives that extra level of proof that I think third parties really needed before they actually gave credence to the claims that have been going on for all these years. One thing that I didn't find was an explanation of how they figured out how much money. So um, the city of L.A. is going to pay out $8 million to three families. Mm-hmm. Chicago agreed to pay uh, over $5 million in two police shootings. 
It's usually a um, formula. It's similar to the formula that they have when they decide how much money they give to a um, inmate who has been wrongly convicted. It's a really similar formula. So that's pretty much all there. Yeah, is it like economic loss? So if you had well, been able to work, what you would have earned is that? Yeah, there's economic loss. But to me, they also kind of added in the egregiousness mm-hmm. of like how much could they prove essentially. Right. So with Brendan Glenn, it was pretty like blatant mm-hmm. that you know he like they lied essentially. He wasn't reaching for a gun, and they had the video to prove it. Um, so he got the he got what is it um, five four million. Yeah. And then um, I think Reginald said there was more. Uh, like he fought back against a, yeah, the officers, situation. and there was a situation, a scuffle, but they still killed him, and mm-hmm. he was unarmed and you know naked at the time. Yeah. So and there were multiple officers. Right. So it, it seemed to kind like, of go with yeah. a, a little bit of the egregiousness of the situation, as well as like their economic damages. But yeah. I think my frustration with just reading this story altogether is the fact that you know, to the councilman's point about how, wow, this is all new to me and he seems like he was under a rock. Um, It's frustrating (laughs) to now still have this evidence and so many officers not be brought to justice um, with this evidence. And so it's kind of fresh. For me, I find it to be a little bit frustrating. I'd love to hear your guys' point. It's like now the evidence is right in front of our faces and it's like, are we the only people watching these videos? I I think it's good that um, Chief Beck, in one of these instances, is the one that recommends prosecution. I think that's a slight crack in like, what is this, like blue wall or blue shield that, you know... Right, but I feel like his statement was buried under an entirely different story. So yeah. I feel like that should have been a narrative like in, an, in its own story itself. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I would say it's interesting because I think you had a mentality. Of, you didn't see things because everyone believed they were killing the perpetrator, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Even if he was unarmed, I still believed I was killing the bad guy. And so now that you're saying, wait, these guys aren't bad, they just, it's kind of in our schema, mm-hmm. then it, it, it's hard to change a departmental mentality. And I think that's what you're seeing is like that's why the officers are still having that tension between, you know, do I put my life on the line going, that's not a bag of peanuts he's reaching for and that is a gun. And so I think that's the that's where the dissonance is. But, but that's I, when you have to go back and like, you know, train them in using retra- kind of non non lethal uh, force when they're addressing people, train them in de escalation and bias training tactics. Yeah. Um, you know, change your departmental rules so that you know, for, you know you're not allowed to use whatever chokehold yeah. as like the New York City department did or, or whatever the case is um, make sure that they are looking at themselves internally and looking at what their practices are um, and trying to use non-lethal force when it's safe for the officer yeah right it's interesting to me that in the last three years there have been a lot um, a lot more officer killing videos that have come out but yet shoot to kill is still on the training books for almost every police force around the country and it's interesting to me that that's not really being addressed because i feel like that would completely change the narrative there the oversight commission for LA city is they're saying that they're trying to aim at retraining for less lethal uh, forms of control and things of that nature, but we'll just have to kind of wait, wait and yeah. see. And, and in the meantime, I, I'm with you on the frustration. And I don't even think the shoot to kill is, you know, because a lot of these, you know, we had p- people running away, and mm-hmm. they're and they're not supposed to shoot right. <laughs> at anyone right, who's right. running away. So I, I don't even know if like kind of changing that part of you know what's in the police manual helps. It's just got to be a full scale sort of revamp, revamp. Yeah. No, no, no. I agree. It's just yeah. frustrating to still see that verbiage yeah. on every manual across yeah. the country. Yeah. And so then the way that uh, in L.A. that these 
settlements are being paid out is sort is through bonds, and so the city is not in an immediate moment going to feel the loss of these millions of dollars. Yeah. Do you think that it makes a difference how this money goes out, like the pain that the city feels, the city council feels, in, in, uh, uh, about the pressure that they put on the police department to change its ways? Because, sadly, money is the way that usually people change. Yeah. But if the way the money is paid out is less painful, mm-hmm. then maybe it won't have that effect. Well, uh, the, the two methods of pay, paying out seem to be pretty painful. Either the city is going to have to run a deficit and like not be able to afford other social services, you know, X, Y, and Z, or they do the bond thing where it's essentially credit, but they're having to pay that back over time. Right. So either way is not advantageous, I think, for the city, and they don't want it either way. So I think they're going to push the police department to kind of clean up a little bit. I mean, we should hope so. I mean, let's just see how million, how many millions does it take for enough pressure to be applied for them to, to stop. Yeah. And it'll be That's interesting true. to see uh, if that um, officer is actually charged, the yeah. one that uh, Chief Beck says should yeah. be charged. And then, sort of related, the sh- uh, Sheriff Baca trial. You know, if he goes down, there will be a you know sort of a crack in the way that people see law enforcement and like maybe they're not all as perfect and good as they there's a lot of us that know that they're not but yeah. I think when a conviction of the 10th uh, sheriff deputy and including the number one and two guys mm-hmm. is out there then maybe more of the public more of the public that currently tends to side with law enforcement will think, okay, maybe there really is something going on here. Yeah, I mean, mm. it's difficult because I side with law enforcement. I, you know, If you're a good police officer, I want you around. So like, I support the police. Um, so I, it, we're looking at bad apples and like bad actors. So it's just about the police department's having a system in place to like weed these guys out. And actually caring to do so. Because yeah. I think a lot of times in those police departments, you know, it's we protect our own. Yeah. Regardless of whether they're right or, or wrong, and yeah. they protect their own. So you yeah, have like partners willing to cover up for, you know, the other. Oh yeah, I'll corroborate your yeah, your your exactly. side of the story. And that's that's a problem. Yeah. You know, where you feel like right, that's, your duty that's to the thing that protect needs to be your broken. brother yeah. is more important than your duty to the public, which is what you were sworn in to do. But I think they put us in a very us versus them mentality. If, mm-hmm. if I say black lives matter, it means I don't believe blue lives matter. It means, no, I believe blue lives matter. It's I'm saying black lives matter, too. You know, they, they yeah. also matter because yeah. we're treated as if it doesn't. So it, it's not an us versus them. I Blue lives matter, black lives matter. It's about figuring out how to get it so that no one's getting shot and, and it's killed. it's really, really just a question of right and wrong. Are, yeah. are you following policy? Are you following the law? Are you acting legally? Are you acting reasonably? That shouldn't, there shouldn't be well, a dispute. I think yeah. part of to, it is also the reason why police officers are engaging with so many black, Latino people is because of the war on drugs. This has been shown time and again. We saw this in 13th. I hear about, uh, we saw this in the study that we talked about last, or the article that we we talked about last week, about how much the war on drugs causes bad police interactions. And we saw the Nixon memorandum and, you know, why they went after these different people. So Um, from like a macro level, one of the ways to reduce the number of police shootings that we see is to get rid of this war on drugs. Yeah. Good luck with that to us, right? <laughs> I feel like that's one of the things that Obama had been trying to work on for the last eight years, yeah. and he yeah. just wasn't able to Not get with this Republican Congress. Yeah. No, not at all. So on the state level, at least with certain drugs like marijuana especially, we're seeing a lot of decriminalization. But where that goes now, if you know Jeff Sessions is 
attorney general who obviously hates marijuana and called it the devil and thinks it's a gateway drug to like you know everything Hell. else it's evil yeah that's basically um, what he was saying yeah so we'll see where that goes and that'll be one of the big things we'll be tracking with this administration I, I saw an article I can't remember what the um, congressman's name is but he was like we need a new war on drugs referring to prescription pills yeah okay well, I was like, at least and, yeah. and, but Hold on. Who's that going to target, though? This is where it gets funny. <laughs> right. Exactly. This congressman is the father of the CEO of Mylan, the one that raised the drug prices on oh, the wow. EpiPen. Yeah, so wow. it was just so ironic to see that he wants to declare a new war on drugs against Big Pharma when his daughter is, like, kind of yeah. one of the poster children <laughs> for bad Big Pharma leaders. Yeah. I think we just need to go into a sort of a rehabilitative and restorative when it comes to drugs, whether it's prescription yeah. or otherwise, because obviously people need help, you know. So I think it, it, it's criminalizing is not going to be not the answer. We've, we've seen it's not been helpful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, what it's really just, is the answer? Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what will be rehabilitative if, for Sheriff Baca, former mm. Sheriff Baca, if he is convicted. We are right now on verdict watch. Yeah. Waiting. It's been a couple of days now since the case was wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one interesting uh, witness that testified was a former U.S. attorney who is now a federal judge who testified that he got into an argument with Baca over what was happening, that Baca was really pissed off that the FBI was investigating his jails. There was a lot of emphasis on that. It was like, these are my goddamn jail it's a lot of ego a lot of like these are his um and that that baka was just really pissed that the fbi was investigating the department without consulting him like he wanted to be exempt for some reason from this investigation i didn't take it as him wanting to be exempt but more so permission that he felt like they should have come to him to let him know that how, there was going to be an investigation. You, I know, investigate I, I'm not cor- saying that that was, but, that was I don't right, understand how he thinks. You investigate corruption and you leave out the top be, dog. Because, you let the top dog well, in on the investigation. How does that work? That's mentality, though. Yeah. He's the sheriff. Yeah. When you think about the idea we have of sheriffs, like, I run this town. I think that's a mentality that's just pervasive throughout history. Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of that, I don't fault him in that way for thinking that right. way, but we have to get to that problem and say, no, we have to be independent actors mm-hmm. that are acting responsibly. Yeah. So the way that things were left, you know, um, prosecutor closed the case out saying no man is above the law. Defense attorneys are like, this is a, is a guy who really tried to clean up the jails and who was very progressive and you know, he's he's not this guy. It was everybody but him that knew what was going on. And I was hoping that by now we would have a verdict because the case wrapped up like a day and a half ago. Yeah. But we, I, I like that we, we had that reporter that talked about um, mm-hmm. what LA Baca Times. did. Yeah, mm-hmm. the LA Times. And so this was unusual to have a reporter testify. And I, oh, yes. I thought that was... Um, Interesting because we bring up arguments of freedom of press and what can be done, but they limited the scope to mm-hmm. what he had already publicly put mm-hmm. out in the papers. And one of those things was that he sent those people to the FBI, the um, the FBI woman's home that was investigating to talk to her. Right, to I threaten, was trying not to... just talk to her, to threaten her with well, arrest. Well, well, yeah. Well, the reporter said just to, as far as he knew, it was just to he sent them to go speak to the FBI, FBI agent to find out more information, and then other people testified it was to intimidate, you know. 
Yeah. From this particular story, I gathered that the reporter had done a series of stories mm. on him. And yeah. so I was like, I want to read those. Yeah, like, right. it's as juicy as this testimony. Yeah. Like, so I tried to look up, like, Archive LA Times. And, of course, you needed a subscription. But I was like, <laughs> I'm going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> so I'll let you know you guys when I do. So what do we make it mean, if anything, that it's been... A day and a half coming up on like two. Oh, shoot, it's already seven o'clock LA time. It's like two full days, and we have no verdict unless you know, maybe su- I should hit refresh. I'm not surprised. I think it's going to take a little bit of deliberation because I could see them being very split. Yeah, and, and then even just with the charges mm-hmm. and making sure that they get the charges right. And so there's it, a few. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they're taking a little bit of time, but it would be surprised. It would surprise me if he was convicted of nothing. Yeah. Anybody else want to take a guess on how this <laughs> is going to turn out? I have so, well, the, no, I can't. I won't say it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Why? No, this sounds. You have an opinion. No, no, no. I was gonna say. I don't know. I think after after that whole uh, the 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 Walter Scott officer mm. getting kind of um, released, even mm. in the midst of such yeah. like clear cut mm-hmm. evidence, <laughs> it, it, is my faith in the jury yeah. rocked yeah. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So I I don't know. I feel like with something that's a bit less clear cut exactly, and it's a matter of, of what did he know at what time, and we're not really there's no smoking gun yeah. that demonstrates that it's kind of just inferences from uh, and statements from the the subordinates that were convicted and, it, it, and it's the same it, like from the same pool of people that have convicted everyone else so i would have to I think hope so. yeah. I, hope I just so. i just won't be surprised yeah. if he gets off scot free mm-hmm. yeah i think mm-hmm. i'll be more surprised if there's like some true jail time here mm-hmm. yeah because that's but the, the ultimate but the, but the, but the judge in this case yeah. is kind of like he wants him to go to jail because remember he initially had that plea like had arranged that oh, plea yeah. agreement right. where but he was only going to serve him. six months yeah. and the judge was like uh uh-uh, uh no. yeah. that's too lenient and like and then he took the the, the risk to, to go to trial and see so no. it, you know if the judge has anything to do with it then very you know, true maybe, yeah. maybe maybe we do and see they it can always throw out the, ju- the jury's right? verdict <laughs> if he doesn't like it oh, yeah, that would yeah. be interesting yeah mm-hmm. Oh, man, I was hoping that this one would come in because now, you know, we're not going to be back for, you know, two weeks. And so this will... Did you hit refresh? will definitely be over. Did I hit refresh? No, I thought it was going to take too long. Mm -hmm. My internet here is not that good. Oh, my gosh, my my article on CNN is on this... Newt Gingrich draining the swamp thing. Which just, like, <laughs> a lot so of conversation about yeah. draining the swamp. Yeah, yeah um, but you hear it was a joke, right? It was a total joke. Oh, I don't know. No, um, no, nothing on. Yeah, Dr- are Judge talking, Aaron Persky. Persky, the judge, oh, yes. the Brock Turner judge. Yeah. All right. So yeah, exactly. Brock Turner judge. Thousands of complaints went in to try and report this guy mm-hmm. to get him disciplined, kicked off the bench, whatever, and we got. Nothing. Yeah. Not surprised. So was it the California Commission on Judicial that. Performance? Yeah. So it wasn't like a jury. It's the California Commission mm, yeah. on Judicial Performance cleared him of wrongdoing, mm-hmm. which he didn't do anything wrong. It was just morally reprehensible. So, but in terms of what he could do within his strictures, he you know he followed the rules exactly. It's that they didn't find any evidence of bias. They didn't find um, any evidence of an abuse of an authority. Yeah. That his sentencing in previous cases were pretty consistent with either with Which plea deals that this is really no, bad yeah. because what he did is so normal as yeah. to not raise any eyebrows to this body remember, that's but supposed he, to. The, the, well, yeah. the the uh, commission said that he had fought. His his sentences were in line with the probation officers. Yeah, even though it wasn't, usually his sentences are in line with the probation officer's recommendation and the prosecutor's. In this particular case, the prosecutor went one way, the probation officer went the other way. So that's why this was so like you know, kind of outlandish. I didn't, I didn't understand the the probation officers. 
So typically, it, it, it said jail time on there, but I didn't see how much jail time. I the think they recommended six months. It was low. Yeah. This is just. And so, but so typically they're on the same page, but this time they weren't, and he went with the probation officer. And I, I think it does speak to the bias and th- this idea that oh well, Brock in some way might be a victim if I send him to jail too long. Um, and I guess the good part of it was that new law that came out of it that kind of. Shields. So before, if you would be mandated um, jail time if you raped someone using physical force, mm-hmm. but not if they were unconscious. Right. And now, if you don't use physical force but they're unconscious, you're still mandated for jail time. Yeah. Well, that that exposed a really big loophole mm-hmm. in the um, yeah. in the criminal code here because you know rape isn't considered rape unless it's intercourse. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you're um, penetrated with some other type of object, that's not considered rape. It's just and it's, it's a sexual charge. assault. Yeah, it's sexual assault. Yeah. It's not rape, and therefore. Uh, your con- which is really penalties. to me I feel like really horrible because if you read some of the cases the things that these these women's these women were being um, violated with I was just like how is that not worse yeah I ugh. but again ugh. it was good that it called attention to that California yeah. right 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 I was I, just surprised that this is the first thing that brought it to the yeah I mean I don't think many of us would have known no that. Yeah. but it's, again it's because we have this Twitter and we have these social media tools and we just have to be vigilant to pay attention to everything mm-hmm. but if he had been convicted with the new law he would have gotten three years yeah. so there's some like kind of funny interesting justice you know well, What's the interesting justice? Well, that he would have been, but now that anyone oh, doing that, what that he, he does, he would have been, even yeah. though it didn't, but even though it's not going, actual. Yeah, I mean, anyone going forward now okay. would be convicted. So okay. there is justice in the forward-looking. I sense. don't know that that's justice. I don't know if it is. I was, I was, I was, I was, I'm, I'm staring like. I mean, justice in terms of <laughs> that's like that's not justice in this case. but yeah, that is case, a, the, that's the silver lining. Yeah, exactly. Well, there, <laughs> I'll take uh, it. Christmas. All is not lost if you hate this judge. Because there's going to be an effort to recall him. Yeah. Judges are mm-hmm. voted in, yeah. and they can be voted out. Um, so he'd be recalled and replaced. And, and, I, and <laughs> Why I, do you laugh? You think it, no, take that it, oh, chance? No, because it actually just reminded me of like repeal and replace, like oh. Obamacare. <laughs> so this is like Persky, yeah. like Persky's Persky repeal and replace. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, I th- I think it it makes sense because he had he did have a bias to me and. He, he went to Stanford. He was a. He but was they a, specifically found that the Stanford connection was not enough for him to have. I, he should have recused himself well, or something over that. Well, I, I think it's hard to say as an outsider, anyone to right. tell someone that your thirty-year career, whatever, that you're biased because of it. But we kind of know he is. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like we know right. it. Yeah. But you, it's I can't so conclude weird. They said, I feel like the alumni association at Stanford is so tight knit. It just to me was just all but wrong. But the this. <laughs> Board, this body said that his connection with Stanford was minimal in the wow. last thirty years. Well, but yeah. it, that, that's your your current connections to the school or over the doesn't change that you feel something about other when you people see someone who, in a sim- who is similar to you. Went to the and, same yeah. school, athlete. Yeah. You know, you. That's the whole thing about bias that you don't see that somebody who's similar to you, you're going to be more I'm favorable to yeah. them. I 100% agree. It's, I just think it's hard for a commission to to go. Well, we have to look at particular markers of it, though. You know, has he been donating to Stanford the last 30 years consistently? Does he go to the sports games? Does I he hang out? You know, regardless of whether he went to yeah. Stanford or Harvard or GW, the the mere fact of it is that he sees a young college educated athlete. Yeah. And he is a college educator. I, I don't think it really matters what school he went to or how tied he was to uh, to Stanford. But he sees this, you know, this young kid is just like myself. I don't have yeah. to go to Stanford to know, you know, to yeah, know that. Yeah. And I think that's what may have influenced. And maybe you, you know, need. To, that well, place. that definitely did. But I, I just think it's hard to say 
from as a commission that you know I can just say that that's what what caused this outcome, especially without a history of case. Like yeah. I think it's one thing if you have a side by side where it's like okay, he's seen a case where a young black athlete has done the same thing that's what I would have loved that yeah. Brock yeah. Turner has done, and you see a disparity there, yeah. mm-hmm. and you see a consistent pattern with that. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that was. But that I think we present. do need that kind of bias training for judiciary because we talked about how non diverse it is, mm-hmm. and so yeah. you know I think that is something that would be important. I so think I, that's the bigger question yeah. is looking at the panel. Yeah. So I say we recall him and replace him with Shaka. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Judd Smith. Okay. <laughs> or as I like to mess up your name and I call your Twitter name, you'd yeah. be Judge Strong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's a good, yeah, that's a good that's ring good. to it. Yeah. Judge Strong. Don't come into my, my, right. my, my chambers with any nonsense. Judge Judy, I'm coming for you. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for us for 2016. Thank you so much, Shaka, Yummy, and Dominique. We will be back here in two weeks, in 2017. In the meantime, like, comment, subscribe, tweet me at Chelsea Galicia. And you can tweet me at Dominique P underscore ESQ. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ayemiems. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Shaka Strong. <laughs> Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host owner and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.